0: Good morning and welcome to episode 453 of Effectively Wild, the daily podcast from Baseball Prospectus, presented by the Play Index at Baseball Reference. I'm Sam Miller with Ben Lindberg. Ben, how are you?
1: Great. Uh,
0: did you see that Lyle Overbay pitched?
1: No, I did not.
0: Wow. Uh, Lyle, yeah, Lyle Overbay pitched. First time as a big leaguer, first time uh, as a professional. Never pitched in the minors either. Huh. Uh, and not the guy I would have guessed. I actually always, uh, back when I still, reg- uh, well, I, I never did it regularly enough. To pull this off, but back when I was occasionally, uh, well, more frequently in dugouts, I had this idea that I wanted to collect every manager's, uh, um, you know, yeah. position player pitcher option. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I would, A, I wouldn't have guessed Lyle Overbay, no, for the Brewers or for any team, uh, but B, the Brewers have now used two, at least two, yeah, and this was uh. As we talked about with Maldonado, I think came into uh, was it a six-run game, and I was wondering whether that was too close mm-hmm. to uh, to do this, and whether the Brewers uh, might be pushing the limits of what, what's acceptable. Overbay also six-run lead, a uh, six-run mm-hmm. deficit. Hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Interesting. There have been it seems I wonder if the rate is up of position player pitchers this year. It Seems like there have been a lot. But I'm not I was possibly.
0: I was uh, wondering that myself, and I thought about I thought about looking. <laughs> yeah, but I didn't. Mm. Um, uh, so well, that's I'm interesting
1: because he's uh, he's 37. You figure he's been on he's been in plenty of potential position player pitcher situations, and he's never been picked until now. Yeah. Uh, all right. How, how so, was he? Uh,
0: one one batter got an out, uh, and I'm watching it right now. It's uh, 81 mile an hour. from the stretch. Good mechanics, 81-mile-an-hour fastball, looks like a four-seamer, kind of has a little cut to it, gets in on, uh, I don't know, maybe that's Evan Gaddis, mm-hmm. and uh, gets a pop-out to shortstop. Okay. Uh, all right, uh, next I want to send you this. Uh, in the great tradition of, of us watching great defense, <laughs> oh, uh, what is essentially a radio show. So I've never seen this play. I just saw it... Um, for the first time, it's more—it's more than a year old, um, and uh, I know a reason. I know the reason I haven't seen it, but I want you to watch it first.
1: I am watching it.
0: Okay, this is Angelton Simmons,
1: uh-huh. who
0: full extension uh, while running to his left reaches a reaches a ground ball mm-hmm. and then flips it behind his back mm-hmm. into his hand and then throws while running. This... Flips it out of his glove yes. behind his back. Into his throwing hand.
1: <laughs> we will post a link to this in the Facebook group so that everyone can enjoy this rather so, than just listening to us talk about it.
0: So we, uh, uh, so we, we, you and I often disagree about what makes a good play. I yeah. find a lot of good plays to simply be, um, you know, more or less, uh, you know, kind of lucky and just the one out of ten times that it works. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, isn't that interesting to me? But but what about this? Is this a this is a great play, right? This is a, a, a monument to creativity and defensive it's, excellence, right? It's
1: creative, but I don't know. I'm not quite as high on it as you are. I don't. What? Think.
0: What? Well, let's. Okay, I so like a couple things.
1: I feel like I have done this motion routinely while I put things away in cabinets. Um, <laughs> I haven't done it. I haven't done it at full speed, full extension, running. trying to throw out a major league runner um but the actual motion it sort of sort of surprises me that we don't see this more often and I wonder why it hasn't been why why wasn't this news when it happened is it just so subtle that no one noticed
0: well I'll tell you why in a second oh, but okay. I think that it's I think that it uh I, I I I can see where you're coming from and I think it's possible that you're right Th- to me this flip is is so delicate and it requires a bit of force with the flip this is not that sort of Loopsy daisy flip that you do behind your back when you catch a can of pineapple that you're unloading from the groceries. Right. This is, you know, this he has to flip it straight into his glove, which is six feet away, a uh, six inches away, straight into his hand, which is six mm-hmm. inches away. Uh, this is, an, I would imagine, unpracticed at full speed, off balance, and uh, and manages to get a grip on it too, which is pretty good. Uh, so the reason this is from last April and Drew Fair Service posted about it last April. Uh, I don't know why we actually didn't see it after that, but Drew Service pointed, uh, pointed it out last April uh, at the score, and it um, says, the batter Clint Barmus beat out the throw for an RBI single, so this slow motion replay all but disappeared from the internet, because it's not a highlight, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, some intern might have seen it and said, oh, well, that's that's weird, and then put the, uh, put the weird tag on it on, on MLB.com's uh, highlights so that cut 4 could write about it but you know it, it's not technically a highlight in a way because he didn't get the out mm-hmm. um, and so Drew continues all that remains is this Zapruder style video on some dude's YouTube channel which is true this is a, this is a vine of it but uh yeah it it exists on some dude's YouTube <laughs> channel I
1: mean it exists on MLB TV right we could go we could go gif it if we wanted
0: yeah we could mm-hmm. if you wanted.
1: Well, I like it. It adds to the legend of Andrelton Simmons. And I like the idea of a defensive highlight that did not result in an out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's uh, he's very improvisational. He's sort of, he's like a jazz-like fielder. He's always kind of in control, but he does does things that you just don't see other guys do.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of the nice things about this play, too, is that as he's doing this, the second baseman <laughs> is diving behind him. Yeah, which just gives you a sense of where he is on the field. hmm Yeah, good play. All right. Uh, all right. So the topic tonight, uh, I think that you might be mad at me for this topic, but I've been waiting for you to choose this as a topic, and <laughs> and you didn't choose it last Friday when you were painfully untopiced. <laughs> Uh So I feel like I feel like going to the uh, just ask Sam some questions about Angels topic <laughs> uh-huh. that you chose gives up any claim of ownership <laughs> you have to anything else. Okay. So, I want to talk about bunting against the shift. Oh, uh, okay. Now that we've now that we've got almost 2 months of of data and you are uh you are the nation's leading expert, I guess, <laughs> I on so. bunting against the shift and and what happens when you do it, mm-hmm. what how successful it is, how long it takes for batters to do it and mm-hmm. how long it takes for your fielders to adjust. I will start if I may with a uh, Tim Brown tweet. Okay. Uh, Tim Brown from Yahoo, who tweeted a couple of hours ago or, or so uh, that... Well, I don't have it in front of me because I'm an idiot. Uh, but he said the great thing about the shift is uh, watching infielders try to throw the ball around the infield after an out and not knowing where anybody's going to be.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. So, you, uh, uh, so you've so you been tracking how many people have uh, bunted against the shift for hits. And, and last week was... Kind of a spike, right?
1: Yeah. Well, the whole season really has been a spike, and I, I sort of informally have been tracking it just through people telling me what it happens on Twitter. But but more formally, Inside Edge has been tracking it, one of the the data providers that tracks these things, and and has been providing me with a, a weekly list of these of these instances. And yes, it seems that that these bunts against the shift are are way up and. I, this was something that I, I theorized and speculated about heading into the year. Would we, with, with all of these teams shifting so much, with the overship becoming so so common and, and all of these teams hiring defensive coordinators so that they could do this if they weren't already doing it, would we see more hitters get over the inertia and all of the, the various reasons not to do it um, and and start doing it, start experimenting. And so yes, it seems that we are seeing that. And uh, so far this year, I'm just looking at my my most recent post. So far, there have been 24 successful bunts against the shift and by successful, I mean they've actually been fair bunts. Um, so I'm, I'm not counting you know foul bunt attempts. I'm just saying with the shift on there have been 24 bunts. Uh, that that guys have laid down with the intent to get a hit, and that is way up from last year. It's actually a hundred percent increase over last year. Through the same date, there had been twelve, uh, and and the year before that there had been four. And I asked Inside Edge, you know, is it fair to make these these cross season comparisons? Is it possible that that you're just recording them more diligently now, or or something like that? Uh, and they they said that. Theoretically, at least, no, they have been paying close attention to this. They've been trying to get them all. So th- as far as they're concerned, it's fair to compare and to say that, that bunts against the shift are really up significantly.
0: Yeah, up 500% in two years. Um, uh, so a couple of questions about the, the composition of the bunters. Uh, do you see a—do uh, do, do hitter, worse hitters tend to bunt more? Than, than good hitters are. Are we seeing David Ortiz bunt against the shift? Are we seeing uh, Joey Votto bunt against the shift? Or are we seeing a lot of uh, and nothing against him? But he's the first name I thought of. Are we seeing a lot of Jed Lowry's bunting against the shift?
1: Uh huh.
0: Um, I haven't
1: calculated to figure out whether it's a it's an above or below average group. I probably should do that. But there has been a mix. There's there have been hitters of all types. There have been. Uh, you mentioned Joey Votto. He has done it. Votto has done it. Ellsbury has done it. Um, Carlos Gonzalez has done it. He's a he's a frequent doer of it. He has done it in in past seasons. Uh, Brian McCann has done it. Not that he's been a great hitter this year. Um, and it it really ranges. I mean, Garrett Jones has done it a couple times. Uh, Matt Carpenter is a, another very good hitter who who did it. But yeah, I mean, it's it's your Ian Stewart's, He's done it a couple times. Um, Astrubel Cabrera has done it a few times. Carlos Santana has been a, a frequent bunter against the shift over the last couple of years. So it it's definitely not limited to fringy guys. And the the fringier the batter, of course, the more it makes sense. The 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 worse the expectation for <laughs> swinging away, and so. And so, if you are sort of a, a fringy guy who's getting shifted, and there are more fringy guys getting shifted, it seems like, then it makes more sense to do it. But it does seem that even the very best batters have done it.
0: Okay, so um, of the twenty-four attempts, fifteen of them are successful, which is a, a better than a six-hundred batting average. Uh, so it's you know clearly is a offensive weapon right. uh, when batters have chosen to do it. So I'm looking at the last two that you've posted. One is Matt Joyce who bunts uh, right in front of the mound, uh, right mm-hmm. in front of the plate, and is thrown out by a lot. Mm-hmm. And the other one is by Garrett Jones who bunts it right down the line and is yes. safe by forever. Yeah. And so I just wonder. Um, I know that 15 of 24 are successful, and so nine guys have been thrown out. But are that are many plays speed dependent, or are they? I guess are they close? Are they contested, or mm-hmm. is, are you basically seeing these two things where it's either not close, he's out, or not close, the guy doesn't even get a throw I'm Basically, yeah. I'm asking you whether fat guys should be doing this, or whether <laughs> this is limited to the moderately uh, athletic.
1: Yeah, I, I think you're right. Uh, just just from having watched all of these, it does seem, I mean, there are a couple, couple close-ish plays. I, I mean, if you scroll up in that last one and look at the Vado play, um, that was one where maybe a, a speed guy could have Beaten that out or had a better shot To beat it out and Vado was out by a couple Steps but I would say That in general most of them Have been either No contest or Uncontested it seems to me that either You either you get it where You want to get it you there's an open Swath of field and you get It into that field you get it past the pitcher Too far for the catcher to go Get it there's no third baseman there And and it just keeps rolling until Someone can chase it down or yeah, or you you mess up basically, and you you bunt it right back at someone, uh, despite the all the open territory.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't suppose you've noticed whether guys who are unsuccessful their first time quit, and guys who are like like do, are they? I guess are they as committed to this strategy as the defense seems to be committed to to uh-huh. its strategy? Yeah, uh, it's probably I, too soon to say, right? Because we're probably. talking about
1: I know just a few attempts. Rallo Banyas. Did it a couple times despite failing the first time, um, but yeah, I.
0: That's I, Raul Abanez, though. Is a I I mean he is maybe the the most persistent baseball player <laughs> of our generation, right? I mean he failed for like a decade at the sport.
1: Right, um, and he is he's been failing all season really in many ways, but but His
0: yes. 50s are going to be huge though. <laughs> he's a 30s and 50s guy.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, But I should I should mention because someone and and when you look at the success rate or, you know, the, the number of fair bunts that turned into hits in past seasons, I think it was something like batters hit 500 on these on these last season, too. But as someone always rightly points out, we are looking only at the bunts that were actually laid down in fair territory. So to accurately assess whether this makes sense and. And if you just look at the, if you just look at guys are batting six hundred when they get one down, then yeah, it seems like a total no-brainer. But we have to look and see how often are they trying to get the bunt down and not getting it down. If guys are fouling off a ton of bunt attempts, if they are faking bunt and kind of intending to bunt and then pulling back and taking called strikes, uh, then that could change the equation a little bit. And that's something that I have just started looking at because that's something that Inside Edge was not recording, and I don't think anyone was really recording before this year. The way that they did it, the way BIS and all of these companies did it, was they would just record whether there was a shift on when when the at-bat ended, when there was an at-bat ending ball in play. And so that would count as one shift, but they would not record shifts, shift or no shift individually based on the pitch. So if there had been... A shift on earlier in the abad and then it wasn't on at the end of the abad that would not count as a shift so uh, So they were not counting bunt attempts against the shift at all and now they are they have now Changed that that software. I don't know whether it was at my request or or something that they wanted to do anyway And they're now doing it pitch by pitch so just in this this past week I for the first time had a table of guys who attempted to bunt or threatened to bunt and what happened, uh, when they did, whether they took a strike or took a ball or fouled it off. So that's something where we will need a a larger sample, assuming that we are catching all of those. Um, eventually we'll be able to, to come up with a better, better accounting of whether this release is as, as good a strategy as it seems to be.
0: Yeah, but just as at, just as you weren't able to, previously to capture the uh, negative effect of the of the strike that's taken or the foul ball that's bunted uh, away, uh, which is significant, you also um, uh, when you when you just look at the batting average, you're not including the, the positive effect of forcing potentially forcing the defense out of the shift yes. in future, future at bats. So then let's turn to that. Mm. Uh, this is I, I would I would argue this is probably the more interesting part of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, is is wondering how many times you have to bunt before the defense stops doing it yeah because uh, because it really does seem like this could be the sort of uh, the sort of thing where baseball never goes back and in 30 years uh, the seven guys are considered totally fluid and are playing all over the place at all times or it could be it could basically be a flash in the pan and that three years from now after a bunch of people have bunted for hits the defense will have, you know adjust back given up on it and we'll never see it again mm-hmm. except in in the very occasional cases like we always have. And so uh our defenses going back to the unshifted <coughs> alignment after a bunt hit, after two bunt hits, after three bunt hits.
1: Yeah, it it varies and that's something that one of our interns at BP Chris Moshe has been looking at and uh, he's been going back through the video after Every installment of the series to see what happened to the, those players in the, the, the day after or later in the game or the next series and trying to see whether teams whether word has gotten around whether teams are aware that they do this and whether they are adjusting as a result and it seems like it it varies it's uh it's definitely not the case that you can lay one bunt down against the shift and and no one will ever shift against you again, or at least that they'll they'll leave a third baseman over there. It's definitely not not one and done. Um, in some cases, there have been no changes whatsoever. Just next at bat, next game, next series, still the shift. And the thing is that that guys who do this, who show a willingness to do this, theoretically, if they've decided that this is a good move. They, they should they should do it, should every, do it time. every time right yeah. yeah i mean if if it's if it makes sense one time then it makes sense every time um unless they're like trying to you know play some kind of long con where like they they want to get a hit now and then in certain situations but they don't yeah. but but they want to keep the option open for for more crucial situations so like if they're down in a blowout maybe they they won't bunt against the shift because the team doesn't really need them to to get a single um and so they don't want to dissuade teams from shifting because they're they're saving that opportunity up for some high leverage spot late in a close game or something possible that something like that is going on but it seems sort of unlikely to me because uh, there are just many more even with the the most frequent bunters against the shift it seems to me like there are Many more situations where they could be doing this if they if they thought it was a good move And so it is sort of surprising to me that that they just don't do it every time until until something changes um, But it doesn't seem that they do and so teams Have sort of adjusted in in most of these instances It seems like if you do it once maybe like later in the same game the, the third baseman will be over there He'll play in or something um maybe in the next game there's some artifact of this if you're a if you're a multi-timer then maybe there's there's more evidence that the teams will adjust but it seems like by the time you know the next series starts and you leave town and you go somewhere else for the most part teams are just sort of shifting against you as as they would have otherwise as your as your spray chart indicates that they should so i don't know whether this is a an advanced scouting failure that, that teams are are failing to to find out which guys have done it and 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 price that into their alignments or or whether you just really need to do it more consistently for teams to adjust. But um, but it does seem like it it varies. Uh, there's there's no no consistent pattern. There's usually some sort of adjustment, but not not full adjustment.
0: I wonder if these guys get yelled at by the opposing team after they bunt.
1: Uh-huh. Uh huh. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Maybe they, maybe they get mocked when they get to first base or something. Um, when I talked to Ian Stewart about it, I, I wondered whether it was something that he had to clear first uh, with Mike Sosha or you know his hitting coach. Did he talk to anyone about this and get their input? Which it seems like. Seems like it would be a smart thing to do. Like if I were a if I were a player, um, and I were contemplating whether to do this, I feel like I would, I would clear it with someone, or I'd ask a coach, "Hey, do you think this is a good idea?" But he said he hadn't really talked to anyone about it. He'd spoken to Abania's about it a bit because they had both tried it, but, but there hadn't been any coordinated effort. He hadn't cleared it with anyone. He just figured it was a a good move, so he would so he would do it once in a while. Um, just sort of just informal you'd, you'd think there'd be some some doctrine on this
0: hmm. um, yeah you would also think that there would be at least one team that was mandating it at yeah. this point and it's surprising that there isn't a team that's essentially saying do it every time and yeah you're the the keep it as a weapon kind of long con idea is interesting seems mm-hmm. seems possible um but not pro- maybe not probable, though. Yeah, I would think not probable. I mean, if you're... Just if get the hits when they when you right. can, right? <laughs> right. And, and, then, and then get them to quit doing the thing they want to do. I mean, I've always had this theory that in gameplay, the correct strategy is always whatever counters the other person's strategy, even if the other person's strategy is self-defeating. Mm-hmm. Like, you should just assume they know what they're doing. So even if it seems self-defeating, you should assume they know what they're doing, that they're rational creatures, and that you should do the opposite. Mm-hmm. Uh, or whatever counters it. And so, you know, if nothing else, uh, the long con would uh, would would let the other team keep playing the defense the way they want to.
1: Yeah, right. And then theoretically or, or in practice, I mean, if the shift works as well as teams seem to think it works, then then you're costing yourself every every plate appearance that you don't do it, not only are you not taking advantage of that possibility to, to lay down the bunt, but you're also costing yourself in that you're you're being shifted on, you're being played, you know, in some sort of optimal fashion to, to rob you of hits. So even even your normal strategy is not working as well. Um, so it, it is kind of curious, but I, I mean, I wondered whether we would see this more. It seemed like we would have to see it more with, with all of these teams shifting. And, and I understand that there's, there's considerable, I, I don't know. It's like a mental hurdle. You have to clear that, that you're going to do this. There have been players in the past who have expressed a, an intention to do it. Like Mark Teixeira said he was going to do it one spring and then he came out and the season started and he never, he never did it. Um, And it's yeah maybe it is it's sort of a a pride thing maybe you get up there and you maybe you're embarrassed to do it or maybe you feel like you can't do it because you're a big slugger who hasn't had practice and and just hasn't really done it before Um, and I understand that but it does seem like it seems like something you can pick up Um, I mean part of the reason why I started this series was that Brandon Moss was was talking this spring about how he had just picked up. Bunting this spring and he's not Someone who had ever bunted before he's sort of A, a power guy but uh, He just he worked on it In spring training and he picked it up um, So it seems to me like Like most guys you know If you have the bat control to, to Hit in the major leagues I feel like With the the proper time And effort you could, you could Figure out how to place the bat In the path of the ball And, and direct it Maybe somewhere
0: all right, so bottom line, Ben, when I was a young man, uh, our family would get uh, frustrated because the, they would always do the shift against Barry Bonds, and and we would think, well, you know, take the hit, take it, they're giving it to you, mm-hmm. and if you do it three times in a row, or whatever, four right, times yeah. in a row, or five times in a row, they'll stop. Yeah, it was and, always
1: like that in, in New York with Jason Giambi, or whoever, yeah. yeah
0: mm-hmm. So, given what we know now, was that <laughs> correct? Especially with Bonds, because Giambi was very good, but Bonds was... Very good. Right. Were we correct in wanting Bonds to lay down five bunts in a row, or I, did he did he know better? Did I'm, he know his opponents better? Did he know his his abilities better?
1: I mean, there there were times where Bonds was getting on base more than half the time anyway. Um, so I, I mean, maybe maybe he was so good that. Uh, if, if there's anyone it didn't make sense for. I mean, in 2004, he has a 6.09 on base percentage. Oh, my gosh. I'm so sad you had to look that up.
0: <laughs> you, you knew that by heart.
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: Um, it's, it's my bike lock. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Shouldn't share that
0: information. Who knows where? Nobody knows which bike is mine. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, well, so, yeah. So, if he's if he's getting on, uh, on base more than 60% of the time, I'm... I suppose I'm comfortable saying that that he couldn't have done better than that uh, if he had been bunting, and and he probably. I don't, do you have any sense of how often he was getting shifted relative to how often you know he would get shifted today?
0: Well, I have a sense. I don't. I don't know if that sense is in any way accurate. Right. My sense is that it was any time there were there weren't runners on. Uh-huh. So I, I don't know if it, it wasn't that way during his entire career with the Giants, but certainly toward the end it. it my sense, my recollection is that it was, it was constant. It was the default, just like it was for Ryan Howard, even before the mega shifts, uh, started. It was the default for Ryan Howard unless there were runners, you know, on base. So, Mm -hmm.
1: so that 609 on base percentage was coming in that, in that era after he was getting shifted regularly.
0: I mean, that's my sense. Like I said, I might be wrong. Mm -hmm.
1: Uh, yeah. So in, in his case, maybe because he was getting walked so often, um, And because he was hitting home runs so often, maybe in Barry Bonds' case, the bunt was not necessary. Uh All
0: right. Well, great.
1: Okay. All right. So please send us emails for tomorrow's show. We could use some emails at podcast at baseballperspectives.com. And please support the sponsor of this show, Baseball Reference, and go to baseballreference.com. Subscribe to the Play Index using the coupon code BP to get the discounted price of $30 on a one-year subscription. And we will be back tomorrow.